It's been, it's been a little while since Moore shared with us. Uh, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's one of our elders, and he's also a missionary, and he's a man of many hats. And uh, so here towards the end of the year, I've got it scheduled out where I've got a few people coming to speak, and he was one of them, and it comes at the right time with us being trying to finish, trying to round third and drive this thing on home and finish up our house. It comes in at a good season. And so we talked and I just said, why don't you bring the word? And, and so he's got it on his heart. So Lord, we just release our faith right now that we will receive everything you have for us through him right now in the name of Jesus. We believe we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you don't mind, just stay standing just a few more minutes. Uh, I want to tag on to that prayer. Father, your presence is here. And we get the benefit from it. I do pray that every heart here, Lord, is open to receive. Every ear is open to hear. It's your word, Lord. It's not mine. It's your word, Lord. Now, I want you to open your eyes, and I'm gonna, we're going to speak some things. It's already been spoken, but I try not to close my eyes when I'm speaking to the enemy. I want to be wide awake when I'm speaking to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cancel any assignment from the enemy that would try to close our ears, that would try to make our hearts not receive. We say he has no place here over our ears, over our hearts, over our minds, that we're open for all that you have for us this day. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Glory. Thank you, Haley. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Things that will be shared here this morning are not new. They may bring new in your ears, which is a good thing. So many times I read a scripture I know I've read hundreds of times, and all of a sudden in my spirit, my ears are open to something I haven't heard before as I'm reading that. It's nothing new. It's new to me. New revelation. Part of the scriptures, I thought pastor was going to go ahead and preach uh, my message this morning. All the scriptures he's used so far have been stuff I've got lined out already. So go ahead and turn to uh, the book of Ephesians with me. There are three things I hope to get to this morning. One is about the center. 
One is about the awakening, which we sang a song about being awake this morning. And the other is about, about the boldness or the authority that we as believers have. So bear with me. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And I want to start in verse 18 and read this. And then I'm going to read a portion of it from, uh, that I've got in my notes here that's actually from the message, which is a, par uh, a paraphrase of the Bible. But Ephesians 1, um, at verse uh, 18. We're actually going to come back to 17 in a little while, but I want to start at 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I'm reading in the NIV now. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, Say all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Say head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now listen, listen I'm going to begin at verse 20. This is the paraphrase of that. And... Um, Sarah and I just got back from a conference uh, up in Ohio, a missions conference. It's held every year. We, this is our fifth year there. And they, uh, the guest speaker was speaking on uh, spiritual authority uh, that we have. And there's a seasoned missionary, 40 years plus on the mission field. And, um, and while he was speaking, this, this phrase came to my mind. And I, I couldn't remember where I had read it, but then w w when I was putting this together, this word together, I realized where I w had read it. It was in the message. Uh, uh, Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase of the Bible. Let's, uh, and this is from Ephesians 1, uh, starting at verse 20. I want you to pay close attention because we're talking about power here. Okay. And like I said, this is nothing new. Let's back up. That first power that's talked about is ability. His incomparably great power, his great ability for us who believe. That's you and me, okay? And then he talks about that power is like the working of his mighty strength. And, and, and that power, the English language uses words over and over, but really the Greek had, had different words for, 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 for that. And that power, is, it's like vigor. It's like a, a force, a great force. That great force is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. 
And then he talks about far above all rules or principalities, uh, some versions say authority, power. Is a, and this, again, this is a different power we're talking about here. This power relates to, it's like superhuman. It's, it's above anything we could think about. Now reading from the message. All this energy issues, issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. Let that soak in. No name and no power is exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. He's talking about us. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I hope I can explain this. I hope, and I hope this is beginning to soak in. He exercises his power through us, his body. The church. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. We, the body, we, his church, are doing, are responsible for doing his bidding, fulfilling his will, for responding to when he calls, when he, when he uh, speaks, when he wants some action taken on his behalf, it's through the church. It's through the body. It's through us. Hebrews 1.3 says, He sustains all things by his powerful word. All things. By his by his ability, he sustains all things by that mighty ability. Over in Ephesians 4, let's turn over there a little bit. Verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're made to be like God. We're not God, but that righteousness and that holiness has been given to us. Still in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. 
but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I'm going to go to verse seven, through verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. A couple of things here. Paul, Paul is not writing to unbelievers here. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, a body of believers. And I, I don't, they weren't steeped in sin, but I, I think Paul got word or, or something. He recognized that maybe something is trying to draw them away from the way. And so he's speaking to them. And I believe he's not... When he says, wake up, O sleeper. See, we, we're thinking about waking up from sin. I mean, that, some of the commentaries I read, I mean, that's what he said. Well, they're, they're waking up from sin again. I, I didn't agree with that. I think he's talking about waking up to the fact that the enemy is trying to creep back in on them. And he's saying, wake up, O sleeper. You've gone to sleep. Rise up. You gave up that old life. Don't go back to being dead. I've raised up a new life in you. That's the life you're to live. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Trying to set this thing up here. Romans 13. He speaks of this again. Uh, verse, Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time, now, that was his present time. We're, we're in a present time here. How many people know that? We're in a present time here. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Church, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. We've got to wake up. We've got to arise and shine and be the Christ in the world. The body, I mean, we're, we're, that's what we are. We're him in this world. We are. Back to Ephesians, that verse, at verse 17. Pastor shared this one this morning, too. 
You know, that's kind of when you really know you're on the right track with what the Lord's given you, when things start just coming together in a meeting. It's encouragement. Chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Know who better? Not know Jesus better. Know the Father better. He's a good, good Father. To know him better. And when we know him better, then we'll know his will for our lives. We won't have to guess about it because we're, we're knowing him better. We're, we're praying for that wisdom and revelation for him, that, that, that spirit to come and, and, and show us. No, no different than what pastor was encouraging us during our time of worship. The Father will speak to you through his Holy Spirit. He'll give you revelation on wisdom on things happening in your life. I've had that happen before. You may not even be thinking about something. All of a sudden, here comes this thought just floating through your mind. You say, what in the world is that about? You better write it down. Paul said, I keep asking. We need to keep asking. I might have missed it, Lord, but I'm asking again. From what I can tell, and I'm going to share some things in a, in a little bit, I feel like the church is kind of waking up right now from a stupor. Oh, it's, it's got, it, it, have you ever wake, uh, uh, been, uh, I was going to say been under the knife, it, been, uh, about 10 years ago I had bilateral hernia repair, and um, they put me out, thank goodness, because, I mean, they were actually cutting. It wasn't some kind of, um, you know, little scission here and there. I mean, I, I, I was cut pretty bad. And um, so they put, put me under anesthesia, and I'm waking up, and I remember uh, being in a recovery room. I remember part of it, being in, in the recovery room, and um, they said I was just so nice to everybody, you know, Oh, yeah, I know him. Oh. And uh, I, I, my eyes were closed, but it's like uh, one, one of the nurse, attending nurses there, I actually knew him. He, he, he had gone to our church for a while, and he had gotten involved with the, uh, the hospital. He was also a chemistry, chemistry professor at the college. I mean, he did a lot of things. I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know Michael May. And, and uh, someone else would come. Oh, yes, he's a real sweet person. And, so it was a nice waking up. I mean, it really was. There are times when I wake up and the first thing I need is a cup of coffee. I mean, it's like, uh, actually, I, we, last Christmas we brought, I bought our daughter, Amy, a cup that says, no talkie before coffee. Sometimes it's hard to wake up. And sometimes... We wake up from really being drugged with whatever. Spiritually drugged is what I'm talking about. It's almost like 
We've been a frog that's been boiled in water and we've just slowly been lulled to sleep. It's time to wake up. It's time for the church to wake up. The church is the center of it all. The church is not peripheral to the world. I think sometimes, myself included in this, I've, I've often viewed the church, you have the world, and it's like the church is on the peripheral of the world, and we're trying, if I could just get in, I could save this place. And it gets discouraging because that's our mindset. We think, if I could just get in, I could do some good. We're already in. We're coming up on celebrating uh, Christmas. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He slept, he put his son, slept, dab in the middle of the world. And he's been there ever since. And if you really think about it, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, and John chapter 1.1, in the beginning, the Word, He's been at the center. We just haven't always recognized that. And some of us who have recognized that, it's like sometimes we just go back to sleep about it. We don't act like we're the center of the world. With all power and authority, just as he has. Because we're who? We're his representation in the world today. God the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, have been and always have been and always will be at the center of it all. And at that center has always been his omnipotence, his omniscience, Is omnipresent. At that center is his total unlimited power. That's hard for us to understand. To, to take all that in sometimes. At that center is his total unlimited power, his total presence everywhere at all times, and his, his total unlimited knowledge of everything. Every thought, everywhere, every split nanosecond is accounted for by him. And we, his church, his body, we're right there in the center. Can you grasp that? We're not the tail, we're the head. 
Hope no one thinks I'm a heretic. But listen, we're in charge. We're in charge. We're in charge. That's right. Whether we realize it or not, we just don't act like it. I recently heard the statement, not only are we in charge, but we are large and in charge. I like that. So in order for you not think that I'm speaking heresy here, we're not becoming like gods. That's not what I mean. According to the truth of his word, we are the embodiment of Christ. We are the representation of Christ in the earth today. We are the manifestation of his presence and all he represents. We are. Everywhere we go. Like I said, this is nothing new. I think I, think I missed the message, but um, I think it was Brother Bill Otten brought a word about we, we carry his presence. Everywhere your feet are, he is. We just forget it sometimes. Lord, help us to remember that we're in charge. Turn with me to John chapter 17. This is part of what the pastor was alluding to. I told you he already preached about a third of my message this morning. When we were singing the song about the glory. John chapter 17, verse 20. Uh, let's, I'm going to go ahead and read to the end of the chapter. Because I, I, let, let's let this start sinking in too. And this is, this is Jesus. He's prayed for his disciples. Now he's prays, praying for the believers. That's us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they, that's us again, okay, also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they, be, that they may be one as we are one. He has already given us the glory. That glory, that's, that's, that's his presence. He's already, okay, his presence. In verse 23, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Verse 23. I in them and you in me. Get your ears on. I've already prayed that they be open. I hear this. Jesus is in us, and the Father is in Jesus, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us also. Can you take that in? God in us, the Father in us, Jesus in us, the Spirit in us. And we act like we're getting beat up all the time. We act like we're failures so many times. We act like we can't overcome anything. We act like the world is coming against us. We're at the center. We're to influence the world. Not the other way around. Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in us. Christ in you. In you. And you, 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 and you. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Still talking about being the center of it all. Verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Verse 10. This is where you need to put a big yes with an exclamation point in your Bible by verse 10. And you have been given fullness in 
Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. We have the same fullness. And uh, I think last time I spoke was in April. It's about the fullness of, uh, from the fullness of his grace. We've all received one blessing after another from John chapter 1, verse 16. That fullness, that word fullness, that little N-E-S-S at the end denotes a state of being. So that full is a state of being. It is being. It, it doesn't go away. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So if we accept this, why is it that we don't always act like it? That we know this and that we accept this. The center is where the... Possibly. The center is where the power is, so why do not we not act like we have the power? And we could, I could probably go around the room and you're going to give me all kind of reasons why you don't act like you have power. We feel defeated. Hey, the enemy's relentless. That's why we pray so much. Don't, we cancel that assignment. Whatever you had in, for this house of God today, it is canceled. And we can do that because we're at the center. We have the authority. We, we have the power. He doesn't. He thinks he does. I think part of the reason... I submit, is that we've been asleep somewhat. To the fact the Father is in Jesus. The Father is in us. Jesus is in us. The Spirit is in us. You think with all that, it would be hard to go to sleep. But we do. I believe in recent weeks, an alarm has gone off in the church, personally. And the church is starting to wake up again. We've seen that. You, you can... Uh, probably go down through history and, and uh, 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 I touched on it. I, I went through some of the awakenings uh, uh, way back, even in, in, in England. Uh, um, awakenings happening to the body of Christ. There's one that happened in 1906 in, in, in Wales. And the same thing happened over in Shillong, India at the same time because the Welch helped, helped settle that. An awakening at two places on the globe at the same time. 
to the power of God. It's happened in this country several times. An awakening. We, um, recently, in, in the last century, we saw things happening in the, uh, the Toronto Blessing. That was, a, that was a form of an awakening, the church waking up to things. And it kind of lulls back off. Brownsville Revival was another one. The charismatic renewal that happened in, in the late 60s and on into the, the 70s. The church waking up and all of a sudden it's, it's like I, we go back to sleep. Not everyone, but enough that, that the authority that the church has kind of starts slipping. And we see things shifting in our land because of that. The church not taking the proper authority that it should have. Let me give you an example of uh, the church being awake and the power of the church from uh, Acts chapter 12. King Herod had um, already put James, the brother of John, to death with a sword, and he was intending to do the same thing to Peter. And he's got him locked up in prison. Verse 5 of chapter 12. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now that church that was praying was, was praying with the power that I just got through presenting to you. The power of God Almighty. That church was praying for Peter. His omnipotence for his presence. The thoughts the knowing, all, all that power the church had and the church was praying. It hasn't left the church. So what happens? Peter is, is sleeping between two soldiers. I'm just kind of going through this at verse 6. Bound with two chains and sensory stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up! And the chains fell off Peter. Now that's power. Put on your clothes and sandals. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he goes through the guards and leads them all the way. To, to like through two gates and the gates swing, swing open and then he said, pretty much tells Peter, okay, you know the rest of the way here by yourself. Now the church is still praying. Peter goes and rings the doorbell or knock, knocks on the door. And the little girl Rhoda says, it's Peter. And they said, no, it can't be. 
He's in jail. But they're praying. They were praying. Even they did not realize the power they had. We have the power. We just don't realize it. One of the movies I, I like, and I'll admit, I, I like, I really, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm a romantic at heart. I like some of the chick flicks. Hey, I do. I watch uh, some other night, and oh man, I was just bubbling like a baby. Um, but there's one, it's called The Preacher's Wife with Whitney Houston. I haven't seen it recently, but it's a great Christmas movie. But one of the songs in, that she sang in, in that movie was taken from Psalm 116, verse 1. And the Psalm 116, uh, verse 1 and 2 goes like this. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turns his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Now the words to the song that Whitney sang was, I love the Lord, he heard my cry, and pitied every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I will hasten to his throne. That's where we need to be. Long as we live, we need to know that we can cry out and we can make a difference. America recently woke up. Evangelicals Christians by far hold the biggest single, single voting block in America. 25 million is what they estimate, maybe more. Last election, about 4,000 of them stayed home. They said, we're not going to get involved. That's not what happened this time. The church woke up. It's time for the church to stay awake and hasten to his throne. And we need to do it with boldness and with confidence and with authority because that's what we've been given in Christ. We've been given that. I'm, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to share this. I, I, I think I am. Um, the Lord gave me a dream while I was up. Uh, it was uh, the latter part of our trip. We had stopped by to see my dad, spent about 10 days with him, helping many of you know my dad's elderly. He, we will actually celebrate his 90th birthday in, in January 7th, on January 7th. 
But he, he has to have someone staying with him. Uh, my brother, sister, and I, we take turns, and my brother's building up there, and uh, we don't put it all on just one person. We're, we're honoring my father in his latter years. But I woke up, and it was, it was, it was, it was kind of a troubling dream. You think, well, that's from the enemy. No, you know, God can... God can wake you up with a dream sometime. And it was like, I was in this courtroom situation and I was being accused of taking someone's arrow, an arrow, and a bow. And I said, no, I haven't taken an arrow. They said, yes, you have. You, you took an arrow. I said, No. And I kept, I kept saying no, you, you know, and I, I tried, and every time I would try to uh, defend myself, the, the and I, it was a judge sitting on the seat, and he, he, he would start banging the gavel. He said, "No, you took it, you took it, you took it," and I, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And he mentioned something about the bow, and I said, "No, I haven't taken a bow." And every time I started to say I haven't taken that arrow, and he would, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, did I take that arrow? <laughs> did, did I? Did I? I don't, I don't remember taking that. Did. So I'm waking up with that. So I, I start praying about it and say, Lord, what is that about? What arrow have I, have I taken from? I hope I got the right chapter. He took me to Isaiah 49. Now he's talking about, tell him, mine is a servant of the Lord. And I know this applies to uh, the Messiah. I mean, that's how most commentaries and most scholars do it. But you know, the word can speak to you personally. Lord took me to Isaiah 49, and actually at verse, uh, I'll get there, around verse 2, but I'm going to start at verse 1. He said, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. Now, I took that very personal. Before the Lord was, before I was born, the Lord called Morris. Bill was praying that this morning. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. Harvey Morris Gurr. That's me. He's made mention of my name. He's made mention of your name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. Woo. That's penetrating. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow. Some say shaft. And concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. 
And he goes on to talk about laboring for the Lord's purposes. And I read that and I said, Lord, you think I'm a polished ass? He said, yeah. And you've taken yourself, you've taken yourself out of my quiver. I can't use it. You've taken yourself out. See, pastor had already called me, bumped me about sharing this Sunday. And I turned him down. He didn't tell you that. <laughs> no, I was trying to kill him. <laughs> so, that night is when I had this dream. And I woke up and I started researching and said, arrow. And I, was, I went in my concordance looking up arrow and then I saw that. And uh, I said, Lord, I don't want to ever be out of your quiver and not be used by you as you want to use me. So then the Lord just starts, and he, he, he told me, he said, not only did you take yourself out, but you were about to take my bow, and I wouldn't be able to use you. And he said, you're hidden in my quiver for a purpose. He said, that, he said, that's your covering. I'm your covering by the blood of Jesus. And when I get ready to use you, I'm going to pull you and I'm going to use you. So I, later that morning, I mean, and, and God just starts downloading some stuff to me. Part, part of this message, some other things. So I text a uh, pastor and said, listen. And I quoted Jeremiah what was it, chapter 20? I text him this. I said, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I said, I've got to speak. Boldness. Now, I didn't think, I never think of myself as possibly having boldness. And that's another thing that's missing from us. We don't realize we're the center. We've kind of been rolled back asleep. We don't realize the boldness that we have in being at the center and being awake at the center. But the Lord took me to Isaiah chapter 6. Hope I got these in the right order. At the sound of the voices, uh, uh, they were calling. Verse five: "Woe is me!" I cried. I am ruined. Some some versions say, "I'm unclean," for I am a man of unclean lips. And live among a people unclean lips. And then here comes a servant flying with the coal and touches his lips. And what does he say? Yes, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. See, sometimes we take ourselves out of the quiver because we just think we're just not 
I ain't got what it takes no more. I've done this, I've done that. I know he's not going to use me. He's cleansed us already. See, that's, that's the enemy coming back in, trying to come back in on you. Now look at this, Zechariah chapter 3. I hadn't planned on sharing all this, sorry. Very personal. But you can take it personally too. See, we're a holy priesthood. The body. We are a holy priesthood. Chapter 3 of Zechariah, my little subtitle here says, Clean Garments for the High Priest. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? That's me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now Joshua was, now Morris was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, to Morris, see I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Put on a clean turban. Clothe them his head and clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. You've been cleansed. You've been clothed in righteousness. Every one of us. Every one of us. So do not let the Satan, do not let the enemy tell you otherwise. I don't care how your day went, what words came out of your mouth, how you treated your wife, how you treated your husband, how you treated an employee, how you acted out at work, how you acted out at school, for you young folks or older folks. You've been cleansed. That should never stop you from being bold for him. But I've let it. And Lord said, you've taken yourself out of my quiver. How can I use you? From the beginning, we've been given dominion. Genesis 1.26. He gave man dominion over the, everything. Everything he had created. We've been given dominion over. That means we dominate. We, we dominate. Yes, we are larger. Um, Let's see if I can start closing this down. There's so many examples in the Bible of where 
the boldness of the man of God comes forth. Um, do you know that the man of God trumps the king of the land? The man of God trumps the king of the land. Nathan, look what Nathan said to King David. Where is that scripture? Nathan to David, 2 Samuel chapter 12. See, when you know you've been given authority and you realize the authority that's been placed in you, it doesn't matter who you're talking to because who are you representing? The Lord God Almighty. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 7. Now this is after he's given the little example of the poor guy with the ewe lamb and he's taking it and Nathan, then Nathan said to David, this is the man of God speaking to the ruler of the land, the king of the land. You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and I delivered you from the hand of, the, of Saul. He goes on to say some other things. And, and then he pronounces all this stuff over David. Saul did it, I mean, Samuel did it to Saul earlier when Saul didn't think he had to kill the, the king and all the, he brought the king back and all this plunder and he was supposed to just, wasn't supposed to be anything left. The Amalekites were supposed to be destroyed, but they weren't, and they're still here to this day. But Samuel went to him and rebuked the king. The church has authority that we're not even operating in. Let me give you a New Testament example um, about authority. Uh, Luke chapter 10. And, uh, and, uh, he sends out the 12. We, we, we know that. And they have that with authority... And then in verse 20, uh, where is it? He sends out, uh, this, and then again, he sends out 72 at verse 17. They returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall, and this is Jesus fall like lightning from heaven. I had given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. 
And this is where we get in trouble sometimes. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Sometimes, see, I'm trying to understand all this too. We start rejoicing. We need to rejoice that our names are in heaven. He said, don't rejoice that they submit to you. I'm still doing some research on that. If you, y'all got, maybe you can get with me later. But there's something about not rejoicing. I mean, those are words of Jesus. Those are my words. Do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. All right, let's, let's go uh, to a situation under grace. This is, all right, Jesus died for it all. Let's go to Acts uh, chapter 5. The church has authority. Men and women of God have authority. Peter with Ananias and Sapphira. They get questioned about whether or not they have really sold this piece of property, and they lie. And, they get, and the Holy Spirit reveals it to, uh, to Peter. And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. And he fell dead. And so the same thing happened. The church has power. We saw Paul rebuking um, Elimaeus, who was, who was a, a Bar-Jesus, a, a, a false prophet. And he, he says, and, and this is in Acts, you can go there if you want to, uh, Acts chapter 13, and he says, you're going to be blind for a while. Guess what? He's blind. He can't see. Someone has to help him away. Then he repents. I'm not asking you to go out and start making people blind. That's not what it's about. It's about recognizing the authority that we have because as Jesus Christ is the center of it all, we are his body are right there. And we are the center with him. To change situation and circumstances. I want to read something to you. And we used to be a country like this. And I think we're waking up to it. But this is a proclamation that was written in 1863. Passed by Congress, by the Senate. 
and signed by President Lincoln. I want you to hear these words. And you tell me whether or not you're hearing these words today. And if you want to hear these words today, the church needs to do some spiritual warfare. And that's what we're here for. It's not about fighting flesh and blood. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God and all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the President designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their, own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. I'm not done, but the Senate passed this. And insomuch as we know that by his divine, his, now I'm talking about the Father, divine law nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisement in, in, in this world, and may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to, unite, and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion.
All this being, being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Then at the city of Washington, this 30th day of March, A.D. 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 87th, 87th year of their independence. Boldness. Knowing where their center is, they realized they had gotten off center. And they wanted to get back to the center. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's my prayer for the coming months, coming years, for a lifetime. I don't want to fall back asleep. I don't want to find myself outside of his covering, outside of his quiver when he needs me. If you feel beat down, that was not my intention. My intention is that we have a wake-up call as a church, even in this congregation. We come with our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. And that's good. And it's scriptural. That's what we're supposed to do. But when we take ourselves out of his quiver, we're not, we're not even leaving 10% of ourselves for him to use. If we just gave him 10% of our time to use us in the body, that would be a start. You have gifting. You have anointings. You have callings on your life. Don't take yourself out of the quiver. You're the center. We are the center. You know, the thing about corporately being a body is you never have to do it alone. You never have to do it alone because the body is with you. And if it's not your brothers and sisters standing with you, it's the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Always. Always.
God has an order of things. And that's another word he's speaking to me about. And sometimes we get out of order. I know I have. I think that's why he gave me that dream. It, it changed. You've heard people saying you, you have a paradigm shift. You have a, a whole shift of the way you think and look at situations. A personal dream like that, man, it, it shifts you. And now I'm at the point of saying, draw me out of that quiver. <laughs> I'm, I want to be ready. Draw me out of that quiver. Amen. I want everybody to stand up. I asked him to stay because we're going to actually do what the Word said to do. But I wanted to, I wanted to share two things. Number one, when the church was praying, when Peter was, what he didn't read the rest of the story was Peter went back, that when he went to the church, they began to meet. And it says that Herod became angry because he couldn't find Peter. And it says that the crowd of people began to say the voice of God and not of man. The voice of God and not of man. Mm -hmm. And Herod, the, the, he did not say that. And then it said the angel of the Lord immediately struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. And he said the, the authority of the man of God trumps the king of the land. The man of God trumps Trump. It trumps the Senate. It trumps Congress. It trumps everybody because he is God. He is Lord of all. And, and Brother Bill this morning said, I am the one that breathed the, the breath. I am the one that breathed the cause. He said, I'm the one that created him. I got him. No weapon formed against you That's shall right. prosper. That's right. That's right. The thing the Lord's been stirring up in me that we've already begun to implement, but He's giving us direction on how to implement it for the beginning of the year and even the rest of the end of this year is that He's directed us, been directing us to pray. To pray. Not to pray for something to happen, but to pray the will of the Lord out of what's already been manifested and mm -hmm. been placed inside of us. So we're going to do that before we leave. Mm -hmm. But this is what he said, and then I'm going to let Morse, I'm going to ask you to lead us and praying for our nation, praying for us, and we're going to dismiss, after he prays, we're going to dismiss in the spirit of that prayer. We're going to dismiss uniting together, praying for some things together. Isaiah chapter 6, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then the seraphim flew, having his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongues of the altar. 
And behold, he has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isn't it funny how the thing that stops you from using your lips is sin and iniquity and that mentality which Jesus came to destroy. And then notice what he said. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, the same man that just got done saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. The same man said, Oh, here I am. That's right. Send me. That's right. I don't care if you've been born again for five seconds or you've been born again for 50 years. Your life is not over. That's right. Your gifts are not over. That's right. I'm tired. Then you're doing it wrong. I'm frustrated. Then you're doing it wrong. You're doing something. You're out of. You're, you're taking yourself out of that quiver. Oh Lord, Lord, we want to be in your quiver. Mm. I will bless the Lord. I will dwell in your house. I will. I set my will to follow the plan of God for my life, no matter what. So before I let Morris pray over us, I want you to. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen. Just close your eyes. This is what I wake up with. Listen. Close your eyes and listen. There's an alarm going off, guys. There's an alarm going off. He's calling us. He's been calling. He's, thank you, Lord. He's been calling. That's right. He's not right. calling like all of a sudden the alarm's going off. No, we That's just right. get quiet and we have seen it because the world has been shaking around us. He has been calling us. It's time for us to wake up. I've had an awakening in my life. I've had an awakening in my life where I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not even moved by what I feel. I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't even moved by what I think anymore. I've told the Lord, I don't even care what I think. I only care what you have said and what you say. Whatever you say, that's it. Whatever you say goes. Morris, would you pray over us? I want to say this. The Lord gave me this yesterday, and I wrote it down in my notes. He said, just because you're not hearing it does not, does not mean that the Lord is not saying it. Open our ears, Lord. Open our ears, Lord. Father, we do. We, we lift up these United States of America to you. I pray that as a nation, we're, we're, we are waking up to the biggest evangelistic outpouring of your spirit that's ever happened before. That hearts are open to receive that many, 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 many hundreds of thousands, even millions, Lord, will come at your bidding when you say, come, follow me. 
and you will give them life and rest and peace. We pray for those in authority. Senate, House of Representatives. For our president, our president-elect. For those in high places on the courts, from Supreme Court, federal, local, judges, local officials, state governments. Father, we say this knowing that we are seated at the center of it all with your son, Jesus Christ, in the heavenlies. So we're announcing and we're decreeing this above all other authority that those men and women will operate out of the integrity of your heart, Lord. It was a scripture that was read in our prayer time with the worship team. Do not grow weary in doing good. And the Lord brought to my memory, Paul must have known they were growing weary. And we can. We can grow weary. I've grown weary. But he says, do not grow weary. The Lord doesn't grow weary. And so, Father, we're saying we will not grow weary. We will continue to pray for each other and for our nation and for the work that you're doing through this nation into other nations and the work that you're doing in nations toward this nation. Because you're doing the work there too, Lord. now, Lord, may you bless each heart that has heard your word this morning, Lord. May the ears that have heard it, Father, may it start penetrating their hearts. My mouth spoke it, Lord, but it is your mouth that is penetrating. It is your sword that is penetrating. It is your word that is penetrating our hearts this morning. Thank you, Lord. 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 How many of you feel like you've been asleep? Come, come on. Anybody else feel like you've been asleep? Do you bring the baby to you? Come on up. If you feel like you've been asleep, or maybe you woke up kind of, sort of, but you need your cup of coffee. <laughs> Come on, it's okay. You feel like you've been asleep. Or you feel like you've kind of woke up, you're trying to get up, but you're not really up. 
We want to pray over you. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you stretch your hands forth, all you those that are awake. Let's believe God with us. Come on, Morris, let's pray for him. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. For Daniel and Lisa, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's awakening happening here. There's awakening. Of body, soul, and spirit. Yes. The things of you, Lord. Yes. Lord, I see your word just opened up before them yes. as a couple. It's yes. opened up. The book is opened up. <laughs> and they're, they're reading, and they're actually enjoying the reading yes. together. And, Lord, you are feeding them as they've never been fed before through your holy word. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. I heard the Lord Thank say, be you, Lord. strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Yes, yes. yes. We've quoted that. Yes. People have said that. Hallelujah. I've said it. But there's something to that. That means our strength. We derive our strength not in our effort or in our ability or in our mentality or even in our remembrance, but we derive every bit of our strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In the name of Jesus. And Lisa, the Lord says, you have no shortcomings. You, you shorted yourself somewhere. And he said, you, you, you have no shortcomings in him. You have no shortcomings. That's not from him. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that as Justin may hear his little girl and he'll wake up and maybe go see what's happening with her. That he wakes up to your voice, Lord. Yes. He wakes up to your voice, Lord. He comes to know it as clearly as he does his daughter's voice or his wife's voice, Faith's voice. He comes to know that more clearer than just when there's an empty room and it's just uh, 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 just one bell ringing. Yes. He'll come to know it, Lord, no matter where he's at. Yes. He'll wake up to the sound of your voice, not, not just a physical waking up, a spiritual waking up to you speaking to him. Yes, Lord. yes, thank you, Lord. Day in and day out. Thank you, Lord. 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 You've been away. We just thank you for you. You you've been away, and he's noticed how, how awake you are. He said, "You just got to do." He's giving you things, and you just got to do. Not a rebuke. He said, 
I give anything. I just need to do. And Lord, I pray for that, Lord. I pray for that doing. spoken to earlier. Yes. That's right. Things you've already spoken to him. Maybe you wasn't quite sure. Yes. But Lord, I, I'm saying that the, you reveal in his heart those things that you have already spoken, Lord. And may he go and do may he may you even now begin giving him the strategy for the going and the doing. Yes. That's what it is. Mm. The plans, the plans. Yeah, he's told you. And you've even been willing. But there's been that hesitancy for you to, because it requires every step of God, every step, everything he calls us to do requires faith. And that's been the thing that's kind of tripped you up a little bit is you got you got to step out of that boat. And it's been a little bit of a challenge in this area. And the Lord said, just, just step on. I've already told you the words there. The confirmation's there. Just do it. Now that it's like Paul said, now that all that is required is the doing of it. Now you just mm, do it. Mm, mm, and as mm -hmm. you do it, he'll give you further. You want the strategy and the plans all at once. And he's like, no, you step out. Then I'll give you the strategy. Mm -hmm. Then I'll give you the plans. Total and complete. Yeah. You know, the, 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 uh, the definition, one definition of faith is putting yourself in a place or in a position on purpose where you have no return, you cannot go back, where you can't. I mean, it's not like you can't. You could, but you, you can't. can't. you got to put yourself in that place where you can't. Well, all right, I'm all in now. I'm just, this is it. That's right. And then the plan and the strategy will come. Yeah, yes, yes. It's going to feel like it, it's, 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 it's something that's jarred you awake. <laughs> but he's doing a quickening in you, in your spirit and in your mind. And he says, get ready. <laughs> he says, get ready. <laughs> and and I, I, I see that he, he's already taking you out. He's already pulled you in his bow. He said, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. 
Everybody say, here I am. Send me, Lord. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, now go in the, and do the descending of it. Now you go. You are sent. We'll see you Wednesday for Connect Groups.